0: Hey, I'm Alex Jabali of CEO Gaming and DreamHack Fighting Games, and you are watching whatever the show I just recorded a podcast for.
1: If you are a fan of fighting games, you've been a part of the FGC in any possible way, whether as a Uh, competitor, someone who just watches these videos of uh, the Smash Brothers tournaments and Street Fighter tech and all that great stuff, Marvel vs. Capcom, we have on a guest today many of you know as uh, Jabaley, uh, or Jabated, which I I guess I'm ruining here now because I said I wasn't going to talk about it, and I kind of did right here, but I won't in the interview, and I didn't. Um, Alex Jabaley. The um, I guess founder of CEO uh, Gaming, which is a competitive tournament organization for fighting games, but it has expanded to to more things. He has um, been involved in the fighting community as a competitor himself, and went on to start this, and is one of the big faces and names of the fighting game community. We have a great chat talking about kind of the state of the gaming community today. Everything he's doing with CEO and the things that he hopes to see with other, you know, uh, uh, organizations and tournaments and competitions, it was really a, a fun revisiting of everything that I, I loved. I, I grew up... Playing Super Smash Brothers Melee competitively, um, I talk about it a little bit in the interview. But you know, I got to see some of these pro players growing up, and I really wish I could have been a, a, a fighting game competitor. I've always been competitive. I, I think more. My, I think the only prospect for me doing competitive gaming at this point right now is Magic the Gathering because it's something I can kind of control in uh, my own slow time. And you, could, uh, especially the card games, you could see there's a little bit of a pay-to-win aspect of it. And now that I'm a big boy and I got big boy money, I can buy some of those cards I never could when i was a kid (laughs) so uh really great fantastic conversation with alex today uh it was a guest that we're really uh, i'm excited to bring on because it's it's something different if you're interested in being a part of these uh organizations that are doing these competitions or you know just from an entrepreneurial mindset or if you're just a fan of fighting games i this was just a really fun conversation to have make sure you guys are liking and subscribing you can do that right now if you're on youtube or spotify hit the follow button all that great stuff ding for the alerts. We post videos every week, all that great stuff. Really appreciate you guys. Stay tuned for a fantastic episode with Alex Jabaili dude, it is gotta be insane right now. I mean, you're wh- how, how far out is, is registrations are opening this no, month? Uh, it, January 29th is what I'm aiming for. So just okay. depends on my mood. Uh, <laughs> God. So, yep. But so you were saying, so you've been doing a lot of editing right now and this is for stuff for a CEO
0: or is this for personal stuff? Is uh, personal for- YouTube? I've been using the CEO channel it has about 40,000 subs. Yeah. Uh, and just doing kind of arcade unboxings, reviews, stuff like that. And because I love watching tech shit, man. I just wish I started sooner before either. As soon as COVID started, should have like, waited a few months before I got a dog and like just went balls to the wall with content creation. But honestly, that was the greatest one-year vacation of my life not doing shit. So <laughs> I kind of took the time to just do nothing. Uh, and Dude, now I regret it, but yeah.
1: I, I think there's got to be a healthy balance because at some point you would probably said, man, I really need a year vacation. And then that yeah. would have been, you know, at, at one point or another, I, I, I took a lot of time off too. But I, I, you can only beat yourself up so much about it. But exactly. um, yeah, I don't I don't think about the past much anymore. So there you go. Only looking forward. So, yeah. uh, dude, thank you so much for coming on here, by the way. I'm super excited to chat about a, a ton of stuff. I've been a, a, a huge fan of I mean, I grew up a bit about me. I grew up in the video game. Uh, sorry, fighting game community. I was a huge Smash Melee player. I grew up in Jersey just to give you a little I bit of a <laughs> <not, okay>, yeah. <laughs> So that's how I grew up in terms of my fighting game uh, history and everything like that. Yeah. Um, And I've just loved everything you've done with CEO uh, from the aesthetic to it just being one of those events that I I, I try to throw on every time I can get the stream of what is happening there because it's such a a unique, personable, fun um, event that it's just unlike anything else where I really feel like there is an element of of fan love that is put into this event every year. And I would love to just know kind of what was the inspiration for you to even start an organization like this and eventually putting on these events and obviously you're doing Dreamland, everything else. Where did like the inception for all this to say like, I love all this, I want to be a person who is
0: putting on these events? Yep. So we are, so you already started officially, right? Oh, yeah, cool we're on. recording, okay, dude. We're deep. <laughs> Cut that. Hold on. Three, two, one. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I, I thank you for all the kind words. Uh, I mean, you can ask anybody who goes to my events. I'm a bigger fan than everybody combined of everything, I, you know, the, the event space and gaming and all that. But, um, you know, I was just a competitor growing up, fighting games. I have two older brothers and an older sister, and I would just go to the arcades with them as a kid and just kind of picked it up really quickly. Uh, my brothers would play, you know, old-school Street Fighter Two. Even I even remember seeing the Street Fighter One machine with the two big giant buttons. Um, and just over the years, just kind of grew, played video games. You know, instead of, uh, I was very antisocial as a kid. I was very shy nerd. Um, I got into a music band. I love the drums and all that. But then once I discovered video games, just everything changed there, there. Mm. And then I even used to have some artistic ability. I was drawing a lot uh, as a kid and growing up. And then once video games came in, just played that. But, you know, fast forwarding just over the years, just played so many video games growing up, and I just learned how to not give into any kind of pressure competitively with my older brothers. And, you know, the the first official tournament I ever hosted was when I was 13 years old, when super street fighter two new challengers on super Nintendo had come out and it was my 13th birthday. And they had a tournament mode where you could set eight players up automatically. And then everyone said, you know, two people sit down take over the controllers, play, move on. And I was like hosting them and winning them all against all my cousins and brothers and stuff. And we would, we'd fill it up with eight people every single time. Um, so I kind of got into that of like just having good events and I come from a middle Eastern background. My parents are both Lebanese and my mom is just an incredible host of, you know, parties, get togethers, cooking for huge feasts. So it was a natural, innate thing that came from my family and my oldest brother, my second brother, uh, hosts charity events every year here in Orlando, a really big charity party. Um, so just growing up, we were always that household that would have friends over when there was wrestling pay-per-views as kids in the nineties, we would invite all our friends to come watch it. Oh yeah. So my parents were very supportive of meeting people, having a good time with friends, but also focusing on work. And, uh, you know, I started working at like 12 years old for my dad at his hotel back in the day. Yeah. <sighs> And uh, just video games kind of stuck with me. Uh, you know, uh, the story I like to tell over and over again is I actually won the first official Blockbuster video game challenge that Dr. Disrespect claims to have won. Uh, <laughs> I actually have the real trophy up in my office. Uh, so I'm in the history books as the first Super Nintendo winner ever. Second year, I made it to the finals again in 94. But because I had to go to Lebanon with my family, I couldn't go. And I was crying like a baby. Like, and that's where my dad told me, you can't win everything, son. And that's where I'm like, yeah, like, hell, I can't. You know, so I was very upset about that, uh, but I was 14, you know, I was 12 years old at the second year, but I had won that. And that's where I kind of learned to just compete and go to tournaments at 11 years old. And uh, the final game was uh, Magic Johnson Slam Dunk Basketball. And it was it was just fun back then for me that I was scared as a kid. But when I started winning, I was like, I can kind of see things differently than other people. Um, And if you ever watch the original movie, The Wizard, I am that little kid. Like that story is like spot on how I grew up uh, with my brothers and stuff. And, uh, you know, so just. Over the years, just huge gamer. Then college comes around. I was a computer engineering major, and I went to the University of Central Florida. And that's where I uh, kind of was playing more DDR and dance games from 1999, 2000, when it first came out. Yeah. And I was playing everything at the time. I wasn't focused on fighting games. But growing up, I used to go to arcades, and I would become friends with the people that ran those arcades. And they would give me free tokens to play Mortal Kombat 2, 3, Street Fighter as they came out because people couldn't beat me. And uh, they would be like, hey, if nobody can beat him, they're going to spend more money. So I was like making money for everybody else and, and having fun at the same time. Um, so <laughs> I just got lucky being an arcade baby. I think that gives a lot of the FGC guys you see today an innate uh, advantage in competition because we had to pay, you know, 50 cents a dollar to play. And if you yeah. lost, you had to go wait an hour to play again. Um, so you didn't want to lose. So. I grew up that way. I learned the hard way. I played with a lot of older people uh, and just gotten actually good. And I hustled. I would sell Mortal Kombat codes because my oldest brother had access to the Internet and AOL and Prodigy.net. This is how I'm saying my age right here. <laughs> and I would go online, get them from all the new user net stuff like that and use my sister's word processor that had one megabit of memory and just from scratch type the codes out, print them, go to the arcade, for like five, ten bucks. And that's how I would keep playing games. Wow. Um, so that, that kind of is what created me into the monster I think I am today in terms of com- competing but also running stuff so college comes around uh, and the student union had an arcade cabin right behind me the light up arcade up there you see from image guys uh, and they had a Capcom versus SNK2 machine I had not really played it that much but a year prior I had a gift certificate and you know I remember every detail I had a gift certificate to FYE for your entertainment for like 50 bucks to go buy a game for PlayStation 2 at the time and I saw CVS 2 on the shelf and I go I haven't played Street Fighter in a few years right I moved on to college and all that let me buy this had no idea about the competitive scene or the FGC officially then yeah. and I had bought it I went home played with, like the worst characters in the game at the time before I discovered who was actually good yeah. uh, King from the king of fighters game i was like she has a double fireball nobody can block two fireball you know i was yeah, that's yeah. how like just how i was casual i was uh, <laughs> and then went to college they had that machine started playing with everybody started meeting all my fgc friends traveling to events had a couple mentors that are old school fgc guys that taught me how to play at a high level mm. uh, and then just kind of did that and then i graduated college i took a break i, I focused on work in my career uh family business for a few years And that's when it was like the we call it the dark ages of FGC uh, when Marvel 2 had hit its course with Evo or B4 at the time, uh, you know, and uh, uh, Super Turbo uh, Mortal Kombat wasn't as big as those the Street Fighter games. Marvel vs. Capcom 2, CVS 2 and Third Strike were the big boys then. Uh And then once those kind of died out and the arcades kind of faltered into dance games, rhythm games and all that, uh, Street Fighter 4 comes out. Street Fighter 4 comes out, GameStop, and I attribute a lot of the success of Street Fighter 4 to the GameStop. Tournament they did at all the stores. Then you had like three rounds of qualifying. Yeah. Uh, and the store I went to, I sucked at because they made us use the Xbox controllers, and player two was like broken, and people were <laughs> complaining. Like, sorry, those are the rules. Like, whatever, dude. And that was one of those things where, at that moment, I go, "If I ever run a tournament, I will always do it right. I hate this bullshit, you know, so to speak." Um, what's your rating on the show? Can I curse? Oh yeah, you can. Oh, beautiful. Anyway, yeah. I don't like to curse. That's you know, for <laughs> people who don't have anything smart to say. But um, so they had that tournament. That's where I met a lot of guys I hadn't seen years prior and the only way of conversating in the FGC was usually the shuriken.com forums uh, and then, you know, still other online forums, uh, IRC, AIM, all that stuff before mm-hmm. there was Facebook, before there was YouTube, before all that. So, the we had a, a Atlantic South uh, forum and literally when Street Fighter four came out, all of us saw each other at GameStop. Uh, and were like, dude, this game is huge. Let's start hosting casuals, locals and stuff. And this is 2008, nine. Uh, the first CEO is 2010. But yeah. at that point. We were all playing Street Fighter 4. We were addicted. Uh, I remember the first stick I bought uh, was uh, it was a Hyper Street Fighter 2 stick for Xbox Live Arcade uh, somewhere. It's a Hori, original Hori somewhere. And after the Capcom, that one, I went to a local tournament I saw. It's called Florida Gaming. Didn't know anybody there. I went with my friends. I ended up winning it. And Street Fighter four. And there was about like 30 players at the time, 30, 32 players, which was small time, but big. That was all we knew about each other. Mm. And they one of the, his name was Todd. He's not around in the industry anymore. And he's like, hey, we want to do this again. You seem to like know everybody. Everyone like knows you by name. Would you want to be a part of our event? They were hosting Halo Melee and Street Fighter 4 the next time. Mm-hmm. So I hosted, I go, yeah, let me do it my way. Had no equipment. We did not have what we and Evo and Comma Breaker and all the major FGC events used to do. gaming generations, 300 PlayStation 4 Pros, monitors, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I had like two Xbox 360s. Uh, I had to ask other people for monitors. And it was like each monitor is a completely different kind of monitor from the community. And we had 90 entrants uh, at the first one I did. And I was like, dude, this is, this is fun again, right? But nobody else was running tournaments in Florida except like me in Orlando and uh, a couple of people that had kind of moved on uh, right before I came back into the scene. And I was like, you know, if nobody's going to run it, I'm going to run it so I can play in it. Right. Ah. So that's how I kind of got good and had I used to have locals in this house before I got all this stuff behind me, you know, when I first moved in here. About 60 people would be in my house playing Street Fighter 4 across like <laughs> 10 cat monitors, tables. It was insane at the time. Uh, and the scene kind of just grew itself. But in Florida, we were always known as, I wouldn't say black sheep, but we didn't have the big tournaments like Las Vegas or California did, Texas. Chinatown, New York, where Justin Wong originated from and stuff. Yep. So I was kind of building the scene up with all my friends. And that's when 2010 comes along with the first CEO, which I was not planning to be an organizer. Mm. I never officially wanted to be an organizer. I just did it for the the fun, the local stuff. It wasn't like a career path or anything like that. I just naturally fell into it. Uh, and I was a total cocky son of a bitch back in the early days, man. Like I've learned and matured so much since the original Street Fighter four days. But I was running the tournaments. We had the forums. We were communicating lots of trash talk, lots of funny times. And uh, the, a guy out of nowhere, his name was Manny. It's a whole long story. But in short, he comes around like, hey, I want to host a gaming event. We want to do Street Fighter. We want to do like a $5,000 prize pool. He talked a big game. I thought I knew it was real at the time. And it was a lot of the stuff. And then just as it got closer, things were falling apart. I was his liaison, so to speak. So everyone trusted me, but you know, I'm like, guys, I don't think this is happening. Yada, yada. Mm. And then he just comes out right with uh, I have to cancel this kind of runs off with a lot of people's money, not millions of dollars or anything, but a uh, decent amounts to piss everybody off. Mm. Um, and he cancels it three weeks before it's officially supposed to happen in Orlando. And we're just in the chat. And I, again, no intentions of running an event. And it just kind of slowly built on the guys. I I have nothing. I didn't know the venue he was using or the contract stuff. Um, And then somebody from the smash community, his name was Jonathan Graybeal. Mm. Uh, Not so much around anymore. He runs the pound series that uh, VGBC now runs. Mm. He's like, Hey, I found the venue. I don't have the money. I'm like, well, neither do I, Uh, you know, uh, well, if we can get this venue, we can kind of put something together within three weeks. I'll run smash. You do fighting games. And at the time it was street fighter four, Blaze Blue Continuum, I forget the name. Chrono Phantasm, uh, Tekken Six at the time. This uh-huh. is 2010, uh, so not very a lot of fighting games. Like you go to an event now, we have 30 different tournaments, right? Yeah. Um, and in 2010, I was like, all right, whatever. I actually had to ask my father, I'm like, hey, can I borrow like two grand to rent this venue? And it was the Central <laughs> Florida Fairgrounds. Uh, total shitbox. box. The AC broke day two, all that. But like, hey, we're gonna do this tournament. Uh, the name before I took over was called Game G A M M E. And we had a whole discussion, the forum, the the post is still on the internet of like, you know, let's call it game over, game on, continue, all that stuff. And then I was just going to bed one night. I'm like, you know what? The community's putting this together. It's a huge effort. We're in Orlando. And that's when the CEO name was just born to me. Yeah. Uh I didn't ask anybody else's advice, but then I go, hey guys, what do you think of this name? And I put it in the chat. And it just was like, that's the name. That's yeah. it, you know? And again, this was a one time thing, was not planning to do this consistently. We do the event about 300 people it's a success of what can be in three weeks um i had uh, another gaming convention called exp con at the time an anime con he had like 10 xboxes and old monitors and he brought those and i remember that event because a my iphone got stolen the very first one during one of my matches i'll never forget it uh Mm. and i ended up like getting a new phone the next day uh because i I was like without my phone how can i run this event and keep in touch with everybody um and we ran the event i think i got like 20th place because it ends up losing after losing that and the guys who beat me have never beat me since and one guy called his mom i beat you bailey because at the time i was always like guaranteed top three in these tournaments for street <laughs> Fighter four. Um, but it was a lot of fun uh, we have pictures we did stream it, we had about a thousand viewers that year and i you know uh it was just a good time for the community mm-hmm. no interest in doing this anything ever again right um and then at the end of like you know what dude this is, was 300 people this could be special what if i have an entire year to do something again following june let me see what I can do. So I called a lot of contacts in the anime scene with hotels. And that's where I got the Wyndham, uh, which I've used, gosh, like 20 times now between Siotaku, Dreamland and CEO. Uh-huh. Uh, and at that time, I was like, I'm going to get a venue that we can grow into uh, and see what happens. Right. And take a huge risk, which with hotel contracts, uh, that's how we not. I wouldn't say make our money, but that's how we don't lose our ass on the space that we get. hmm. So it's like, if you can't book 300 room nights, we can't give you this 20,000 square foot ballroom. I'm like, let's do it. And I remember the first year I didn't hit that quota. And (sighs) if you don't hit the quota, you pay the difference yourself. I hit that quota a day before the event. They allowed me to keep booking stuff. So I was like, all right, once that was booked at the time. And at that time, you know, now uh, events are a hundred dollars for a weekend badge. Right. Yeah. Uh, Back then I was charged. If you bought a hotel room. I gave you a free badge into the tournament itself. Uh, just so I was, I was kind of a pioneer in how I marketed the event uh, yeah. differently than other people in the FGC and got people's attention. I kind of had my own star power from competing and going to the final rounds in Atlanta and Evo for my first time in 20, 2009. Um, so I kind of used my playing abilities and my connections and friendships to build it. Uh, so the second year, 2011, that's when, uh, and I had personally set my own goals each event. It was never about make as much money as possible. It was, do a successful event, make sure everyone else is happy. The rest will come as a bonus. That's kind of in my philosophy Mm. now surviving COVID era, giving 5000 plus refunds after all the cancellations. Like, all right, I can't keep doing this for 20 years without, you know, running it properly as a business. Mm. Uh, And now things are kind of coming back with sponsorships and all that. But just doing it then was just all about the fun and the community. And I just I grew uh, a love for fighting games and competing. And slowly over the years, I stopped competing once the pro tours started coming in because I wasn't allowed to. Uh, but first couple years of CEO, I would set a goal. My first year was just have a fun event. Second year was book this hotel up and get uh, a Japanese name or two, like a Diego at the time. And we had gotten Gamerbee and Tokido, mm-hmm. which was such a huge deal to me at the time. And I'll never forget the first like three, four years of CEO, I would take the my Japanese Japanese guests or friends to, like Disney World on Monday after the event was done and then pass out for a week. Now it's like there's thousands of people. I can't I don't have time for anybody, you know. It's like you know, even myself. As soon as the event's yeah. done, I make sure all the paperwork's done, everyone's paid, uh, get all the stuff done for whatever I need to and then go get ready for the next damn event. Right. So now it's just, a, it's total change since the, the early days, but that pretty much, you know, for your audience, that is the history of kind of CEO and how to create it. And, uh, you know, over the years, I just networked. That's the number one advice I give everyone just network. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I, I made a lot of mistakes in terms of, uh, using my name to, you know, say negative things about other events that I wanted to get better and it wasn't mm-hmm. helpful, yada, yada. Uh, now it's different. I kind of pioneered, the twitter backlashes of the world you know uh (laughs) but now i don't do that anymore i'm all about positivity and and growing and i just learned so much going to other events outside of my own because again i was a com uh competitor in fighting games versus card games you know tcgs uh dance Dance revolution Mm -hmm. uh i have a machine here in my house uh extreme machine and uh you know so i just played everything i could because I liked going to go other events, seeing how they would run stuff, and that kind of created the the philosophy behind make your event unique. You know, set a goal every year. Now the goal is just to you know come back to uh, prominence and be you know top three biggest biggest event in the world for fighting games and diversity. Yeah. Wow, it just sounds like all <laughs> of that came out of so much
1: love for the the genre and the community and everything, and it really didn't seem like. It almost sounds like the success came out of it not being something that you had planned on doing. It's just like, I love this. I want to do this for the people around me. It didn't start off as a business venture. It started off as kind of a labor of love and kind of something you wanted to partake in where you see a lot of people who get into these businesses, creating events, whatever it is, and they're immediately only looking for monetization. Like you said, though, very important to be able to monetize and create sustainability as you go forward. Uh, If you want to keep doing these things at a high level, and especially with COVID, it sounds like that was... Pretty insane of a time to be running uh, to be running an event. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, what is kind of what is the next phase of of these conventions and things you were talking about sponsorship? But how was it really kind of a hurt uh, a, a painful thing to experience the the COVID hit for for these conventions and stuff? And is there kind of a new plan of attack now for you or for other conventions going forward to keeping this kind of momentum alive? Because I have to assume. The only thing that really existed for about two and a half years was online play for most of these games, right? So, what is kind of the strategy now
0: coming out of COVID? Yeah, uh, I mean, the strategy in the beginning was like, my God, then things can't be shut down for this long, right? And having a yeah cancel stuff and um so i was actually the last major off offline event as disney world and the world was shutting down in march of 2020 Ugh. and that was probably the worst week of my life having to deal with that go through that and i wanted to cancel so bad but the hotel is like we're open for business if you cancel you're bankrupt you know Ugh. you know you're gonna owe a lot of money and i don't like that feeling um so i let everyone know i gave refunds to anybody they didn't want to show up and at the time there was 10 cases of covid in all of like america right yeah uh and everyone just uh, the world was changing, obviously. And, you know, it, I learned a lot doing that event. And then I was the first one back in December 2021, uh, where we instantly sold out CEO when the tickets went on sale, 4000 tickets in less than 20 hours, wow. which was unheard of. Um, and for lots of reasons. Right. But had learned, you know, obviously the COVID policies and vaccinations and all, and just different sets of rules. You know, when you run events every year, there's something you need to be prepared for the worst and nobody was prepared for COVID in the beginning. Now you kind of have an idea, you know, luckily it's kind of, it still exists, but it's kind of weighing down. Everyone's been catching something, but not as serious as in the beginning uh, with vaccinations, everything. And I was always the first one to get vaccinated. The moment I get a chance to feel like, Hey guys, look, I got it. I'm fine. You know, take care of your health um, and kind of get back to things. But A lot of companies basically shuttered their business, no interest in being a part of the offline experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And luckily, so many FGC and fighting games uh, developers learned the importance of good net code and online. So that kept us going through everything, right? and then last year putting co back together after being the first event dealing with those COVID protocols it got easy it really did just making sure the 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 rules for your event are clear everyone knows and understands you're always going to get people like i don't like that then you know just like sorry then you know come back next year the event will still be around stuff like that so i learned how to grow the thickest skin on earth after the shit I had to read, you know, coming back uh, with the whole split of the country and social media and, and, and the Trump errors, I like to call it, um, <laughs> you know, and I always stay out of politics the best I can. I've been involved with it on the local level uh, just for the betterment of my attendees, right? Where I can possibly. But yeah. after that, I was like, you know, just focus on the events. So coming out of it, a lot of sponsors are more than ready to come back now that all the big events have co- happened again. You know, the PAXs are back, the, the dream hacks that I also work for are back and things are honestly still kind of slowly returning to normal but a lot of things i've learned uh, that are helpful to others is the communication i've always been transparent and i think that's what grew ceo as fast as it did it used to be like after the third year was compared on the same level as evo yeah Uh, you know like hey this is the next big event that's professionally run like an evo and that was all about uh, you know just communicating, being transparent, like, guys, look, I'm showing you everything that's going into this event because I love to and I like helping other people and letting them learn. So now you got to be more transparent than ever. Uh, there are downsides to being the brand of your own event, like me, everyone knows Jabali, Jabated, all that stuff. Um, I like it because I like pressure. I've dealt with so much pressure over the years, uh, you know, and, and what I've done and I don't like to quit, uh, you know, side story when I did the whole pro wrestling stuff and I tore my Achilles tendon and still did a match with, you know, and and postponed the surgery, uh, I was a freaking idiot looking back, right? I should not have been allowed to do that, but I did it. Um, but you, you know, you you kind of had to grow thick skin throughout the pandemic and, and running events and seeing everyone have their opinions and stuff. And now coming out of it, I think everyone is nicer to each other than pre-COVID in a mm-hmm. way that they just want to be around each other and be happy. So it's made it very easy to communicate uh, and uh, have more people interested in your events more than ever. But th- now everything's back too fast. There's oversaturation yet again, uh, not just fighting game community, but uh, across the gaming, uh, you know, everything uh and you just have to learn to put yourself out there and let people know uh that you exist uh promotion anywhere which way you can uh and that's kind of what grew ceo you know, into what it is today and now again uh, i've been working on like sponsorship decks uh t- to send out to all the sponsors and pricing across the board's kind of gone up for running the events hotel contracts food travel so it's we're still in a phase where i hope a recession comes so i think it's cheap again uh, <laughs> but uh you know it's, so it's just different times and uh, just learning to communicate and be prepared the best you can is how you put on good events.
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's so important right now for people to understand what's going on and everything. I, actually, something you mentioned is the community in a way. Uh, a lot of the fighting games started out in these game stores, and a lot of them had to close down, or there's, you know, a lack of people going to these stores, you know, building a community within a lot of these arcades and these game shops. What do you think the future of the fighting game community, do you think that it exists online, or where do you think the grassroots kind of community keeps its resilience or builds a new audience now that it's such an online thing, and you're not necessarily sitting next to the opponent you're playing in a store, and you're not meeting the people around you and forming that kind of competitiveness on a very face-to-face personal level? How do you think that exists going forward for such kind of what was important for uh, this style of gaming?
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, now again, now there's consistent online events for my friend Tong, Tampa Never Sleeps, uh, Bum and Dragon Ball and all these different communities. Like if you didn't uh, hone in your content creation through the pandemic and uh, with online, I think you're already behind everything, whether it's online or offline. Fortunately, with Street Fighter six on the horizon and the game looking really good to every player uh, after a Street Fighter five era of, you know, mixed reactions and stuff. Yeah, I I think both are going to exist. Uh, you know and there's gonna be consistent online events the beauty about offline events is you plan for it you know you're going an online event can happen anytime you know you don't have venue expenses you don't have all that so you can easily do both yeah um, you just got to learn to turn that into highlight reels and YouTube footage and and uh, you know keeping people consistent and loyal and it's it's more of a loyalty thing there's people that go to CEO that have not been to an evo or a combo breaker because they haven't experienced those events to understand how good they are as well but it's like I live in Florida or I just trust that Alex Jabali CEO is going to be a good event. I'm just going to go there every year and that's where my money goes to, right? Yeah. Um, and we live in a world where you can't go to every single event and pre-COVID, everyone was going to every single event, especially with the Pro Tour support and all that. And as we get back to seeing where the, the developers come with like the Capcom Pro Tour, Second World Tour, uh, and if they'll be as big as they were before, because... They created their own online series and qualifiers and events without the CEOs and the combo breakers and all that. Um, so that's kind of changed. We got to see where that goes in the next couple of years again, if it goes back to how it was. Because I was one of the first ever events on the Capcom fighter stream, which is one of the biggest streams now, yeah. uh, you know, and uh, the teams change. Times change. People's jobs change. Um, so both are going to exist I think we're going to see a lot of cool like qualifiers online to get people to travel to events because mm. there's some kid that's never been able to afford going on a trip but he's kicking everyone's ass online and we yeah. saw a bit of that when cross Tekken first came out uh, Kuma I think his name was and he got like you know top 8 and, and cross Tekken at the first Capcom Pro Tour and he was an online warrior as we called it mm. um, and so and with Street Fighter 6 I think that's when the next generation comes in Tekken 8 Street Fighter v, uh, PlayStation 5 will start being the, the, the system of choice, most likely, Uh, you know, it's there's space for everything. Events that have already been established pre-COVID are going to survive as long as the people behind them still want to keep doing it. Uh, And it is hard. I really think it is a challenge for anyone new in the space to kind of uh, build an event off the ground outside of the Smash community. Lots of major Smash events uh, for just Smash have grown over the last couple years. And people are like, I don't need to go to C.E.O. I can go to this event that's dedicated to Smash. Mm. And that's totally fine. And, uh, you know, so we're going to see a lot of new people pop up when Street Fighter 6 comes out and one thing i didn't mention earlier the years of my experiences like you said people come into esports going hey easy money it's not and i've had so many people email me like hey we want to do our first event you know we want it to be huge like a ceo I'm like stop right there it's not going to happen your first time don't care how much money you have if you don't build trust and loyalty first uh your event's not going to succeed long term yeah. uh and that's kind of where we've built up what we have in the trust and uh you know as long as i don't do anything to get me in trouble on twitter i'll be okay so <laughs> Twitter it can be a danger. Yeah. It's with great power comes great responsibility. As yeah, so I try Uncle not to ben tweet uh, as much as I used to. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, so I think we're gonna be fine. I think Street Fighter Six is gonna be huge for online. I, yeah. I've been in the betas, had so much fun literally going into the virtual cabinet and other uh, games like uh, Guilty Gear have done the lobbies. Yeah. But it felt real. The 3D models of the characters, everyone standing around a cab, seeing them like do motions uh, over it, felt really good. Uh, you know, and I got to do it with some of my wrestling, uh, buddies and, uh, it was just, it felt really good for an, an online experience. So I hope sure. they continue that and just grows. Uh, and you know, if uh, what we've noticed with PlayStation having their own tournament series, it's so easy for people not to go anywhere and just sit at home and go on the, the, you know, the, the store and go, Oh, there's a tournament for this game I own. Let me just enter it, you know, and follow mm-hmm. the rules and all that. So, but nothing will ever beat the offline experience. And one thing I tell people, If you look back at the last three years of online tournaments, can you name one memorable match or finals? I can't. I I can't. I can, can, but I can't. You know, it's just like when you think of Evo, you think of Daigo and Punko and, Uh you know, these matches that the crowd was insane for online. The moment that tournament's done... Yeah, you won. OK, what's the, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's I think offline is necessary and uh, we're going to see some huge growth with Street Fighter six, like we do with four. Uh, and I think what happened was me as a player looking in and an organizer. Street Fighter four was built with love yeah. and the community in mind to bring back that era of fighting games in the 90s. Street Fighter five was built with esports in mind and to capitalize on esports and the pro tours and all that and the, and the top players, uh, you know, getting the recognition they deserve. Now, Street Fighter Six, you can tell it's all about love now, and and correcting every mistake, and learning, and uh, you know we're gonna see some cool stuff that I think is gonna set the uh, fighting game genre forward.
1: Yeah, really well said, and I think that's a great explanation of it. I mean, this Street Fighter Six, it looks. fantastic i'm excited to get my ass whipped in it because i'm not good (laughs) at street fighter i was never a good street fighter player but you were talking about to like your your love for wrestling and how it's so integrated into what you do to ceo is that more of like how you view like do you see kind of a parallel between the fighting games and the fighting game community with kind of pro wrestling or is this and and that's why you've had it put you know put the things in the rings you have the 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 belts as the you know uh the the award and you have people coming down doing their uh their entrances like is it more of an homage or do you see like a parallel between how fans and people who are participating in um these tournaments are is there is is it a love letter or is it kind of you see them as similar businesses
0: Uh, definitely similar in every way. Uh, when I first started doing the CO theme in 2020, uh, 2012, and we got the wrestling ring as a thing is because yes, I was a wrestling fan growing up. Yeah. Uh, and this is before I got entwined in the backstage of the, you know, of the wrestling world with AEW when they started. And I just did it because a lot of us were nineties arcade babies that were also home during the Monday night wars with (laughs) Nitro and raw and and everyone could relate to it. That was in the fighting game community. And they're both. Almost the same thing. Two people are fighting it out with each other. One man stands every time, just like in wrestling. Uh, now, wrestlings have continuous storylines. You know what to follow. And that's what a lot of the fighting game communities tried to mimic over the years. And that's why, like 2012, 13, uh, you know, I, I felt like we were doing something really cool that was entertaining. And people were remembering the entrances at CEO and yeah. the whole wrestling aesthetic. Uh, and I never thought it would turn into like a full blown show until after I had met Ken- Kenny Omega uh, in the industry and you know it was just a, a huge crossover and then when i had moved ceo from orlando into a much bigger venue about 6 times the size within an arena mm-hmm. the first time was like i just want to have an arena kind of like evo evo's always been a huge inspiration to me in their growth uh being the biggest event in the world and it's just like CEO can be that on the East Coast. We need more Evos out there. We need more consistently huge events where developers have more reasons to promote fighting games, can support more events, you know, and just kind of spread the word of what makes our community so special. And the wrestling side of it, like uh, when I had become friends with Kenny Omega in real life, uh, was just through fighting games, you know, sent a DM over to some friends that were connecting, like, hey, I'd love to talk to Kenny. And Kenny was like, I'm a huge fan of CEO and the wrestling entrances, and I don't have time to go to these events because I'm in Japan, but it's like seal as an event i would feel comfortable at as a you know as a celebrity uh you didn't say it like that but as a celebrity that can go and play fighting games that i love Mm. so that crossover was just so natural it was a true friendship from the the get-go we were on the same page about a a lot of cool ideas and then the first year was all about it was in orlando before i had the arena of like hey let's do something cool with wwe's austin uh Xavier Woods, uh, super cool personal friend of mine as well. And I had felt like 10 years prior, if I had the knowledge I have now about the wrestling industry, I probably would have tried to be a real pro wrestler and actually get (laughs) genuine training. Uh, it is not easy, obviously. And when I wrestled a couple matches, like I did not have the prep time that I should have had, uh, but I did the best I could with the means. And, uh, luckily being six two two fifty, (laughs) you kind of have, you know, there's some potential there, but I'm getting to an age where no, I'm not going to hurt myself anymore, but, you know, so the crossovers between fighting games and there's so many fighting games with stages that are in wrestling rings or boxing rings. And uh, it just became natural. And then, you know, one year Mortal Kombat made a stage that looked like CEO uh, and all these crossovers into the industry. And that's when like the first couple years of CEO and I tell this to a lot of uh, up and coming event runners don't worry about sponsorships your first or second year. You need to create something that you can prove is of value yeah. uh, and grow up from there. Like the first sponsor I ever had was the second year was NOS energy drink for hmm. like 500 bucks back then. And I was like, Oh my God, $500 is huge. I still have the, the uh, invoice uh, saved in uh, somewhere private and you know, and so it was like, you have to grow something first to kind of turn into that. Uh, and then just luckily, it's all about who, you know, in this world really is and networking and not burning bridges. And through Kenny Omega and just the ideas we had passed through each other, that's where the real wrestling came into fruition with New Japan. And, yeah. you know, as a, a personal friend and also still a wrestling fan more than ever, seeing him go back to New Japan Pro Wrestling this past week and for Wrestle Kingdom. I was actually in Japan for his last match at that company before AEW started And to see him happy. I can tell a real smile from Kenny ah. and just seeing him kick ass and doing his and nobody can do it better than him. His crossovers. He did the Sephiroth entrance. Uh, <laughs> I saw know, that. That was amazing. One wing angel. I get yeah. chills watching it because yeah. I knew and, and I'm like, dude, you nailed the timing of when he does the wing yeah. and everything. And uh, I know how happy he was to get that off in Square Enix. And his, he's got a great team behind the scenes, uh, you know, agency that helps with all his gaming connections and, And he's just a huge fan, man. And he honestly, again, this re-inspired me. Knowing his recovery from his injuries helped Mm -hmm. me on a personal level work out even harder this year and like see him come back, uh, you know, and kick ass more than ever. He's never looked better. Yeah. But those crossovers, that one connection is what grew C.N. to what it is now with the wrestling. And when we had done the event, we both looked at each other and goes Your world uh, loves fighting games. My world loves wrestling. Let's bring them both together. And then boom, we had the, you know, the when worlds collide, the first show. And then the AEW thing, like uh, pre-COVID, those two years were probably the two best years of my professional career to be able to go into a new industry and meet people and have Chris Jericho go, hey, Alex, you know, (laughs) call me on a first name basis and know me and and all these people and just being backstage with Jim Ross and all that just was really happy for me obviously i never tried to get a full-time job with them because i'm doing my own thing and i work a dream hack and i'm very happy but i would have given it all up to be a part of that kind of team and just seeing <laughs> everything that had started and be there and uh i'm more loyal to kenny than any, any company to be honest with you and just yeah. happy to see him back at it and over in new japan and uh just see what the future holds but you know we it was amazing to have that crossover and you know my some of my favorite tweets when i did the crossover with AEW was like seeing people see a picture of me and tony khan the billionaire Why is Jabali smiling with it? Why is in what world is he hanging out with a billion? You know what I mean. Uh, And it was all about. It was never about the money to me. AEW was just more about the fandom and the the all the people. Evil Uno, Adam Cole, all huge gaming fans, and seeing those crossovers AEW games. And I just I feel like I was a uh, part of a lot of those crossovers in the beginning. And now I'm just happy everyone is happy doing what they're doing right now. And I want everyone to succeed even more than ever coming back out of it. Heck yeah
1: you know it's it's such an interesting in the same way that wrestling exists it, it kind of survives and thrives off of personalities and people who almost become their own pieces of icons within you know the the industry how this is kind of a two-parter in a way how important and how hard it is is it to manage you know having people uh, in in an In in an industry and in a community where kind of trash talk and rivalries are so rampant and it's such it's like almost an integral part to uh, the style of gaming that fighting games bring, how important is it? And also like where is that line to where like how do you manage something but being you know is this just becoming toxic? Is this now helping? Because I always thought as a as an Overwatch fan, the thing that I never like. I, I never was able to invest in was like personal players. Like there wasn't enough of like, I'm rooting for this team because of these people. It was always just like, oh, okay, I like this team because I'm from New York, you know, or I like London. And there was never like that personal person I was rooting for. Um, so I always felt like it was so integral to, to what Overwatch kind of needed. And you see this in fighting games, you root for people. Uh, but where is that line between these people who are, you know, icons in their own rights and also kind of like the, the competitiveness and trash talk Like, where does that kind of line exist in terms of what is good and what is bad for uh, an industry and an organization?
0: Man, if more people's parents were on their social media, it'd all be shut down. No, Uh, (laughs) that's what I say. I mean, uh, you see people's true personalities on on social media. I think Uh, a lot of us are introverts uh, in the gaming industry on the outside, even like. You know, not to say too much about Kenny, but he's an introvert. He stayed. He lived with me for a few months when he moved from Japan to America, and we just had fun gaming while looking through Twitter and seeing the stuff people say about it. And you know, every day I wake up on Twitter or I go to check Twitter and, and to do stuff. Kenny Omega's trending on my feed. <laughs> FGC's trending. I'm like, oh boy, what happened now? Yeah. Uh, you know. So, but I mean, again, I think social media has made things a lot better. There's more positives than the negatives. Yeah. Uh, and I always tell people, right, like. I'm happy that we're open and we get the bad out as soon as we can. But it's like it's just Twitter is where all the everything happens or goes down now at a point where it's like, do you see anybody getting canceled on Instagram comments? Never. It's always like a Twitter post that changes everything. It's not a Facebook post. It's not an Instagram
1: post. You know, Um so be so, toxic on Instagram is basically the. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah, no. Don't be toxic anywhere yeah. because
0: one day we're going to look back and go, was <laughs> I really that big of a douche? Yeah. And, but some of us don't realize that. Right. Uh, I used to make snarky comments towards other events on Twitter and and take jabs. And now you just get older and you just go, man, what? It's not even worth it. Yeah. Um, or you can complain about something. And there's things that should be complained about to help businesses grow and get better. But there's ways of going about it, and I think a lot of people need training in that that don't get it in this industry, mm. um, or how to do social media, or uh, brand management, or like none of us get that. It's still a wild, wild west, I think. Uh, and every time you see a statement from a company, a lot of other people start putting out the same kind of statements because that's what they have to go off of. Nothing over a hundred years like NFL or NBA or stuff. It's just like in the now, yeah. Um, or jumping on board or the the mob mentality, which I've never really agreed with. Um, mm-hmm. uh, again. There's There's both sides to it now as a T.O., as a player, as a fan, like I think at the end, a lot of people in the business side of things remember the good people. Yeah. And you don't want to be known as a loose cannon in my opinion, I used to be a loose cannon when I would make fun of everything I could just for uh, a thousand likes. And I was pretty good at getting likes. Uh, <laughs> my, my, I still have the record in the FGC on Facebook prior to like 2016, my Facebook comment to like ratio is unheard of on fate. Like every time somebody comment, like two likes, I would comment, like not like a celebrity, but it's like, Jabeli's talking to us. Oh uh-huh. my God. You know, and people notice that. Um, and you know, the whole debated thing kind of changed my mentality of, I, I, I'm grateful every day for the position I'm in. Mm-hmm. I love, it when people come up to you and go, Hey, I know you're the Jabeta guy because I've made an impact on them. Yeah. And I take advantage of that by paying it forward or being more positive. When you're a loose cannon, companies just go, If that guy's going to shit on that company, why would we ever want to work with them? You know, because they could do that any moment. Very so you got to kind of clean that stuff up. Uh, and again, I represent so many different companies I was representing. I've, I've worked Pokemon events and, you know, we have rules like, hey, don't tweet any drama, you know, before and after the event. None of that stuff, you know, and you just naturally grow learning that that it's not worth it long term. It, it's not worth it. It's going to hurt your brand. So you need to really kind of stay positive, um, you know, be helpful to others. And I think another thing that I, 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 a lot of more people can benefit from is, Uh, Quick communication. I respond to almost every email instantly because I did customer service for like almost 15 years uh, (laughs) with Disney World blockbuster video. So I was always on top of things and responding. And that one response to somebody that goes, oh, my God, they responded to me like they will remember that forever. Heck, yeah. Um, So everything you do on social media is there forever. Um, Yeah. So but back to the like the main question of drawing the line is. People are who they are on social media and in real life. Uh, where you go with that is totally up to you, and nobody else is going to change you but yourself. Yeah. Very true. It's uh, I, I think that a lot of
1: people don't realize the repercussions of their actions sometimes, and they they like that instant gratification. And I think Twitter is a great place to go if you want to express something
0: and just get attention, whether it's good or bad. Uh, yep. And well, well, now it's it, it sucks for everyone because post Elon, I ain't getting any likes, and I'm not paying for Twitter Blue yet. <laughs> uh, so it's changed. So now, uh, one piece of advice I have is diversify your reach. Right? Yeah. I haven't jumped into TikTok, but every time I do I get like a hundred likes from people that are connected through my Facebook or whatever? I'm like, dude, why aren't I doing more of this? Uh, But social media changes. Twitter's not going anywhere, but it's like, Always be ready to promote where you can and have that outreach. I, throughout COVID, built my Discord channel up for CEO itself. Mm. And now everything I post goes there first and people respond instantly. They now stay, they are now connected with the event. Um, uh, you know, and DreamHack did a good job. DreamHack has like a hundred thousand members through all their ESL tournaments crossovers with that. And just an easy source of doing that. But one mistake a lot of us in the FGC made in the early days, and there was only one pioneer of this, um, was from uh, the cross counter people, Gutex and Mike Ross in the early days. Was email marketing. That's still a thing. When I yeah. wake up, I check my emails first before my social media, right? Uh, and that's a way to promote. So I've built over you know ten thousand subscribers on the CEO newsletter channel and just staying connected. You go to anime conventions like Anime Expo, they send out an email every like other day. I like to do like yeah. once a week, maybe once every two weeks, but. Staying connected that way with your fan base and everything is, is the way of the future and just don't be on one social media platform. Try to be on as many you have time for. So and if you don't have time to post on every single one, download Hootsuite or TweetDeck and have it do it all for you at the same time. So Yeah, I think mean, that's something I struggle with is just, you know, because sometimes you have to
1: personalize each thing for each social media. You got character limits. Some of you only want to put the photo. So there's got to be a little bit of personalization for each time. But I think that Hootsuite and all that stuff is a great idea for people who struggle with content creation. Um, I want to ask, too, for like CEO. I mean, I know you, you talked a little bit about including um, – maybe it was like card games or TCG type stuff. Is that like another direction you're seeing, y- you know, your, your organization go is to include more than just fighting games, card games. Is that like what you think is going to be on the horizon?
0: Oh, I, I know it is. I already oh, have other organizers asking me, Hey, how did it go? I'm like, yeah, I know what you're going to do now. Uh, <laughs> um, so DreamHack did a very successful integration of magic. The gathering. I'm a huge magic player. So Ma- that's amazing. So I played versus system. I, Touched Yu-Gi-Oh! I played early Pokemon. I never got into Magic. And the reason why is uh, the fantasy world, there's characters I didn't relate with. When Versus System came out, I'm a huge Marvel fanatic. There you go. It was instant for me. I, and I play way too much Marvel Snap now. I'm like collector level <laughs> 1900. Uh, even Kenny. Kenny's way above me, and I got him into the game, and he freaking won't stop playing that shit. It's a shit. great game. It's uh, great. It's incredible. Um, and you don't have to spend a lot of money. But besides that, the early days... Um, what you recall? call it. So I used to play card games, right? And yeah. I learned a lot from upper deck and the pro circuit for versus system mm. on a professional level. They're judging their, their stage design. They had the danger room for one of their events in like 2004. Uh, I wrote some articles on TCG player back in the day. Uh, and I really, and I loved the deck building aspect with different teams that I played with. Uh, and I'm still all, all Facebook friends. With a lot on Brian Kibler, one of the first guys I met in the industry. And now, you know, it's fine. 15 years later, he goes, dude, your branding's on point. How do you like put your, mer-? I'm like, why are you asking me this shit? You're a bigger name than, you know <laughs> so that was cool to have that kind of respect level and understanding. But card games, every event I go to that's FGC or you know CEO, there's people in the corner playing a card game or playing a board game. And I just know that's the direction to include that yeah. to get people to play fighting games. And what I wanted to do is I, if I want to make easy money, I, 15 years ago, I would have done card game tournaments because what do you need? Tables, chairs, judges. Everyone brings everything else. CEO and everyone else. We gotta bring 500 PlayStation's and monitors and make sure it's updated and all that. You know, um, so easy money. So Magic Community. If I ever go real broke, I'm coming for you guys. No. Uh, <laughs> but it's like people would play it. So there's a lot of fighting game related card games. Exceed the the uh, U UFS. Uh, I'm forgetting the names right now. Yeah. Um, Paragons. So it all comes down to talking to people that want to help paragons his name is Solus, chris Solus, and his team hmm. he helped me put together the entire tcg room and cool stuff inc huge card game uh company that's who i used to play with in orlando all the time and buy hmm. my cards at and all that like 15 years ago uh jim bishop one of their big guys uh comes to ceo and just i want to kind of do it organically i don't like to throw things and see what sticks i like to throw things i'm confident we'll start small and grow into something and blossom yeah and as soon as i start Doing the card games, all these different companies were hitting me up. Hey, we want a booth, we want to sell your event. We love the CO aesthetic. I remember there was a period in uh, Magic pre COVID, I was getting tagged in tweets like, I wish we had a Jabali running Magic tournaments or something like that. Yeah, uh, I've seen that a lot. Um, and so I like to run everything. You know, I love uh, sports games, card games, racing games. I've been reviewing a Logitech Pro wheel, it's an incredible wheel. Um, and, and so I like to just dive into all these other communities that I think work. Yeah. And card games is a perfect. Perfect fit at CEO tabletop. And we did it already in Daytona last year. I had two rooms, one for just a couple booths and then one for free play. And every time I drove by on my Segway, there was at least 30, 40 people just playing card games. Yep. And Chris got me custom CEO play mats that sold out instantly. Amazing. Um, so it's just, it's a really big part, but I want to do the fighting game side of it first before I dive into the other games and yeah. stuff. Um, yeah. And I've been very fortunate to have been uh, work uh, at Pokemon worlds every year for uh-huh. a Pokemon tournament, but also see the T. CG side, the video game side, and the professional level, Pokemon's been a huge inspiration to me and the, how they run their events and the people that I've worked with. Um, and so just so many different aspects that I've been fortunate to work other events to bring into CEO and car games is just, it's such a fit because I'm telling you. Every other organizer starting to hit me up like, hey, like, what does it take? I'm like, dude, just space, you know, yeah. space and reaching out to the right people that care. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it's going to it's going to be even bigger this year. I'm actually in a big phone call with three different card game companies tomorrow and seeing what tournaments they can bring to the table that I don't have to deal with um, <laughs> and, and, and kind of grow from there. Because, uh, yeah, and, and we'll see what happens. Like I said, there's been a lot of fighting game card games and I want everything to relate back to fighting games. Right. Yeah. Yeah and so that's why i go with that if i want to make money i would go create and somebody's going to steal this idea i've had for probably 20 years is at one point i just want a con called MultiCon, like multiplayer con where it's every kind of two-player four-player game under the sun in one roof <sighs> and it's just all about that right like a multi-con or whatever um and so tremendous one day, menu happen. for that yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh i've been to gen con indie uh, you know all that stuff so mm-hmm. um yeah card games has a, a a now a consistent home at ceo and Ciotaku, and it's just going to keep getting bigger all right here's a fun question because i know you're a final fantasy fan so mm-hmm. do you
1: think that Tetramaster could ever make a resurgence back <laughs> into the com- competitive scene
0: there was a community uh, app for it. It was a third party app they created. That was Tetra. talking about the Final Fantasy IX one, right? Well, it started in eight, I think, eight, and yeah. then yeah, so yeah. Nine's the better one. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, that is. There's an app for it already, so I did dive into it. I just think Marvel Snap they need to print those cards, man. Right? Uh, yeah. Well, maybe they will. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, uh, but yeah, no. I, I would love to see something like that, but I think Magic. You got to give it credit. Pokemon. You don't hear about Yu Gi Oh as much. Maybe just because I'm out of the scene, but I don't see as much as I. Dude, in California, Yu-Gi-Oh
1: is insane. I came come from the East Coast, and I was a huge Magic (laughs) player. But out here, like I go up into shops, and like, no, we just do Yu-Gi-Oh. I was like, oh, (laughs) okay, (laughs) sounds good. That's
0: awesome. And so. Yeah, uh, like just there's so many different card games, right? Uh, so, man, when I was hosting at CEO, like I was watching, like, what is that game? Uh, they would sit down, and do it. You know, even at CEO Tago, these guys brought the automated dominoes table. Oh my gosh. Where it pops up, you push all the pieces in, it shuffles them, and then it pops them back up like a freaking, <laughs> like the Undertaker coming from under the ring or something. <laughs> like, uh, I was like, dude, and it went viral. Esteban posted a video about it. But um, yeah, so uh, just the, where were we going with that? Uh, card games in general. Um, I was saying if Tetra Master could make a resurgence, oh, yeah, I yeah. think so Square's got to yeah. get into the card game market. and what a, what a great you know foundation. No, no, Square needs to focus on Final Fantasy Remake because I beat <laughs> Crisis Core as soon as I could, <laughs> oh. and I teared up remembering how good of a game it was. But even better <sighs> on a big screen and graphically upgraded and uh, all that stuff. So yeah, uh, yeah, no, I'm excited to see where the future holds for Final Fantasy 16 Is going to be humongous. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? Here's a funny story. Every single time Final Fantasy 14 has an update and now 16 it's announced to be uh available the week of a ceo event or like the week before and they did it again <laughs> 16 comes out the weekend of ceo and i'm just like shit i want to play it but i'm gonna wait it out and hopefully other people do too oh no uh, no way it's like come on square i thought you loved me because we did uh, we did do Decidia once and square enix was a huge help to me mm. um so uh, we'll, we'll see where that all goes but yeah i just i'm like oh why do you keep doing this to me oh, yeah. um so yeah anyways
1: so fighting game wise i mean there was that huge thing that happened we don't have to get into this particularly but it sparks my question the whole thing with panda that happened and i'm curious what is like the what is the communication that you wish would exist between the companies of these games and the fighting game community and the people organizing the events like what is not being communicated that you wish would or what is something that should be happening that is not
0: so as someone who I'll throw this out there has been paid from all parties involved uh, and has worked on both sides. I was actually a part of the panic Cup finale, helping put it together, was very sad to see the direction everything went. And it is communication. Things can always go sour real quick at any company when it comes from the top. Right. right. Like look at every major company over the last hundred years. What ruins it? The person who runs it usually, uh, you know, and that's why I always have my friends keep me in check over the years. It's not ruin CEO, but communication wise, there's just so many events, right? It's hard for a major company like Nintendo to communicate, get official licensing, work with all that. Mm-hmm. But everyone needs to just communicate with each other. The issue is when everyone has a piece of the small pie working with other people, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to get a big, bigger piece. And it's almost like a competition that shouldn't exist mm. because when you help each other. It only grows like, uh, you know, uh, kind of off the record, like I talk more closely to Evo now. Now we have new management in charge and uh, and all the developers to be a part of like all these events and grow the scene together, which is exciting. So I think just communication smash me. Everyone wants to be a smash to or FGC FGCTO, but you got to kind of communicate. But it's really tough because America is a big the world's a big place. And you can't have one person running events in every city, right? There, that's why there's so many different cities and events. But I just want people to talk to each other. Um, I luckily, you know, I kept my mouth quiet when every, <laughs> every organizer had to go on Twitter to get their likes and, you know, either – uh Say something negative or positive about the other side. I'm just like, you know, I'm just going to wait this out. Yeah. Because when everyone else blows themselves up, CEO's still going to exist, and you know, <laughs> these companies are going to go. Remember when Jabali didn't say anything? Yeah, let's keep supporting him. Yeah. Uh, no, anyways. But uh, without diving too much into it, I think just communication. I try to talk to everybody. I network. You know, I've uh, I've had coworkers at DreamHack go, like, why isn't Jabela here? He's like, he's probably talking to somebody, making sure they're having a good time or networking <laughs> or, you know. And that, that's just kind of what I do. Uh, and I'm afforded that with the trust I have with my staff to handle things. And the, the moment there's a fire to put out, I'm there before anybody else even thinks it. Um, so... Going forward, communication. I mean, look, Smash has been around. It's going to continue to be around. The players are the biggest personalities in this fighting game community, in this industry. Yeah. Uh, I wish they would use it for positive and not go complain about every single thing on Twitter just to see, you know, what, what are you getting out of that? You're not improving yourself. Uh, you know, you're only getting other people to go, well, if he hates that, I hate that, too. You know, like, Stop. Um, so I just think people need to think more clearly before they speak, think about the repercussions of it, uh, and, and just, just talk to each other, man. Everything yeah. takes a phone call, every you know, or an email, you know? Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that, that's kind of my opinion on it. It's a shame it happened. A lot yeah. of people got hurt. A lot of people, you know, uh, left a company or didn't know what was going on all because of just one, you know, miscommunication between, uh, different parties and stuff. So yeah. I hope it rectifies itself at this point. I don't care about sides and uh, a very important name to me, a big mentor in my early days, is Seth Killian mm. who now works for Epic games, who worked on uh, uh, street fighter four with Capcom and all that. And I remember there was a time where I was telling like, Hey, do I work with this company or that company? He told me four words that will always stay with me. Less sides, more awesome. <laughs> Stop taking sides, focus on your own shit and make it the best you possibly can. When you do that, your focus is going to be where it needs to be and everyone is going to uh, that's a part of that is going to uh, not profit from it but you know uh get something good out of it um so every time i see two people arguing, i'm like less sides more awesome alex stay out of it you know let them figure their shit out and if they don't oh well i'm still going to be around t- handling my stuff so um yeah that's uh, i need to start doing seminars god dang it! yeah show. i'm gonna adopt that Less, <laughs> uh what it less 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 sides, sides more, more awesome. awesome i'm gonna adopt stop that. taking sides just
1: be more awesome yeah that sounds like like a great uh, philosophy to live by. I mean, I, we're, we're already almost at an hour, hour here. I'd love to have a little bit of fun with you real quick and just kind of do, uh, I guess, a semi-rapid fire. It doesn't have to be rapid fire. It's just more kind of questions about the the industry and the communities. Who are some who are some up-and-coming players that you've seen that really excite you or you're excited to see maybe Ooh. have a potential to win or you want to see an upset? Like, what is kind of your, um, in terms of players, either new and old, like, what is what is the thing you're most excited about?
0: Man, you know, it's a very hard question to ask. You know, early CEO 2014-15, I knew my favorite players. The Daigos of the world, the Magos, the Tokitos, Momochis. um, And then America stepped their shit up. The Punks of the world, Knuckle Do, CJ Truth, one of my first protégés. And it, it just like... There's too many. So I honestly couldn't tell you because, again, I don't remember the players in these online events. Right. We need offline to come back. Yeah. Uh, K7 show off. He had won Guilty Gear Strive at CO in 2021. Robert Paul, one of the greatest photographers in esports, took the photo of him being crowd surfed by the crowd after winning. Yeah, I like that guy for two reasons. (laughs) Super positive, used his winning uh, to promote and, and, you know, and, and improve the scene. And third reason, he wears a CEO fanny pack that I had custom made everywhere I see him and I would love it. No, uh, <laughs> what you call it. He, uh, just people like that. I like players that create content. Brian F. You know, he'll tell you the story. Uh, great Street Fighter player. He came to the first couple of local events in Florida and I destroyed him. Mm. He de- destroys me now in Street Fighter V. But like the early days, he would get destroyed by me. And that's what inspired him to get better. Now his content creation. And um, so I think, uh, you know, more dudes need to go. The people behind the scenes creating content, not just winning the tournaments. Sure. Because end of the day, you can be sponsored. You can have that fun ride. This is a hobby to me at the end of the day. I want to grow a business. I want to see everyone making money, but video games are about fun first and foremost, and if you treat it any other way, you're you're not going to you're not at some point it's going to end. It's all going to come crashing down, right? Yeah. Um so I'm excited to see where Street Fighter six goes and see if the Street Fighter five people carry over how good they are. Right. Mm-hmm. Street Fighter four had, you know, Justin Wong's and all that winning everything. Street Fighter five. He didn't play it as much, uh, you know. And so I'm going to see a transfer of power and see how the, the punks of the world and all those guys do, uh, and, and including Knuckle do who's probably going to come back to six because every generation of Street Fighter, the old players go, I hate this game. I'm going to stick to the old one or a whole new generation comes in. I think Street Fighter 6 is going to be that game again that brings everyone together, and it takes at least a year before people either give up on it or move on. Mm. uh, Or, 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 you know, and move on. So we'll kind of see, but to give you names right now, I couldn't because there's literally 30 different communities and games now. More than fair. Uh, yeah, so it's a tough question to answer. Uh Just support everyone. Just, you know, go to Twitch, look up fighting game category or your favorite fighting game and just support all those guys. Spend a few minutes to just say hi. Um, I stream as consistent as I can, which is like maybe once uh every couple weeks. <laughs> uh, but even having 20 viewers and that means the world to me to see that people just care and want to kind of see what I'm playing and checking out. So supporting people that way is a, a really good way to kind of grow the scene. Uh And yeah, just Street Fighter 6, man. I think... CEO is going to be huge because we are the first major event for it. But Evo is going to bring everybody out to play. I I think it's going to have 5000 players easy. Mm. Um, And if it doesn't, a people are still home because of covid related reasons or b online is just so damn good. Why go to events anymore? Mm. Um, So because end of the day, you go to events to learn, compete, have fun. That's Co slogan. But at the end, you know, it's to network and have fun and play offline because there is no better feeling. Yeah. Yeah, no, really. I I really hope that people continue to go in
1: person because it is an experience unlike any other. I've gone to many events myself and the networking, like you said. I mean, I remember one of the first times in Jersey I got to watch Mewtwo king play before, like, that was ever – he was ever, like, a big thing. And I was like, oh, wow, I got to be there and, like, see him play, like, these early rounds and stuff. And it makes appreciating these things, you know, 10 years, 15 years later so much more. Um what about this? Was a, a, a question from Keith. What was? What's a particular fighting game that you'd love to see either like a, a, a revival of, or a resurrection, or a remake, or a rebrand? What's something that existed that maybe isn't as popular um, now that could come back in a different way that you'd love to see kind of come back on the scene in, the, in yeah. a popular way?
0: So I will say fight Kate, look it up. If you're interested in playing old school games online with people with amazing net code um, fight Kate, I was addicted to that thing when COVID started and I was, you know, now CVS two runs. Well, I'd love to see a CVS two revival, uh-huh. but the thing is old games need to stay where they, you know, back and you can go back and play that same game, right? Yeah. Bringing it back. It's always going to be changed. It's not going to be the same experience or whatever. Um, but Capcom versus NK2. i love a part three. I think King of fighters 15 did great. Uh, Tekken is coming back with eight. Yep, uh, but, one game that I I personally love is Breakers Revenge and the collections finally coming out Uh, Neo Geo game but it is hands down the greatest Street Fighter 2 clone ever made in my opinion Wow! Uh, it's just solid it's fluid it's easy a lot of the characters rip off Street Fighter characters but it's just a lot of fun so I'd love to see something kind of bring that back I know was it Fatal Fury that got teased last year one of the SNK games is coming back Mm -hmm. Uh, I love seeing SNK you know kind of come back but I want to see those partnerships again I'd love to see a new Marvel game. Uh, You know, Marvel's always going to be huge, but now... That's different. Marvel two came at a time where nobody gave a crap about Marvel movies. Yeah, that don't happen like again that. like that. <laughs> yeah, no. D- Disney, Disney. Marvel owns versus it all. Disney. That's what it'll yeah. be. <laughs> uh, I mean, Kingdom Hearts crossed over uh, Final Fantasy, and then Kingdom Hearts hey, and then yeah. uh, Square. Uh, anything's possible. I think with partnerships, it just bringing back gold games is hard because of licensing and everything. Yeah. But I think CVS two or Part three would be amazing. Um, but right now, I like when there's not too many different fighting games. Newer ones coming out. I would love to see a Perfect World where. It's like five a year, mm. and then people play get a chance to try them all out, and then stick to the ones they love. But I will say I am very proud of Ciotaku, uh, the anime based event I created in 2015, and the growth of anime fighters, not just at CEO or Ciotaku, but uh, the Midwest region, the Evo Vortex Gallery, all that stuff. Just seeing all those lesser known games back then, and to have Guilty Gear be number one game for the last couple years, you know, yeah, uh, it's great because competition breeds better games. I think and I think Capcom goes shit. We're losing the market. We got to get our shit back together And I think that's gonna be make for exciting stuff And uh, I mean, I'm most excited for Street Fighter 6 champion edition in five years because we know that's where it's gonna go Heck Yeah, so yeah, are <laughs> an update so but it's cool knowing that the developers more entwined than ever a new Mortal Kombat's got to be coming At some point that game's never gonna uh, die for sure. Um, so I can't wait to see what happens with that Uh, But again, the growth of esports and fighting games and tournaments and accessibility online and, uh, you know, is a great thing. And Killer Instinct, I would love to see another Xbox Mm. remake, but have it go to PC out of the gate or you know, God forbid Xbox going to PlayStation with it or something I think would be great because the new Killer Instinct, I was fortunate to be a part of the team for a year with Iron Galaxy Studios uh, was a really good game It's just being on Xbox only because literally when's the last time you saw any of your friends playing a, a fighting game on Xbox? The uh, hard reach to tell you that one. Yeah, so even though Xbox 360 is the best for Street Fighter 4, uh, so yeah. Performance, yeah, yeah, that's definitely a big part of it. Well, thank you for answering that
1: and honestly, Jabaley, we're at an hour here. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting about this. I'd love to to give you a moment to, to plug anything that's coming up. Thank you for bringing up CEO Taku. Um, I know you got registration opening soon for uh, CEO. Uh, where should people be looking for
0: you? I know you said you're streaming any of those plugs you'd like to do uh, by all means just at you on Twitter, uh, discord.gg slash CO gaming. That is the discord. I'm building out uh, everything. Uh, I started posting that. Hey guys, working on registration. Like there's a lot of things that go into it. I build out the website myself with assets from two people. Uh, you know, staffing is handled by Tong Lee and Tampa never sleep. Shout outs to Tampa never sleeps who also works with me at dream hack. So uh, so yeah, January 29th is what we're looking to launch CO 2023 registration. Also this month I'll be launching dream hack San Diego. So if you're on the West coast and you want a little bit of that CEO fighting game flair look into DreamHack San Diego on April 7th to 9th I'm in charge of fighting games there Uh, and last time we were there we were in Anaheim which was exciting in 2020 Uh, so I'm glad to be back you know almost four years later Mm. uh, bringing fighting games back to the west coast Uh, and uh, yeah just to be everywhere subscribe to my YouTube slash uh, CEO gaming channel be super helpful comment all that I'll always respond amazing well Bailey thank you so much for coming on this has been
1: so much fun looking forward to CEO (laughs) everything coming up in the future your stream all that great stuff thank you for being a uh, one of the main figures in the, in the fighting community that really is putting out positivity and content and hope for the future um, it really means a lot and I look forward to seeing all the stuff with Street Fighter every all fun things that exist beyond where we're at today so thank you for coming yep. on and it's been a real real pleasure to chat with you Thank you for having me because now
0: you got me in that mental state of shit. I have a bunch of events coming up I got to prepare <laughs> for. <laughs> Amazing. I apologize, but good luck with the no, rest of the All right. Thank you. Take care.
1: Boy, was that explosive. My gosh, Je-Bailey. Uh We joked about it. We didn't bring up the Jebaited thing. And uh, I had no intention of doing so because you can go look it up somewhere else on the internet. So uh, you got Jebaited if you thought I was going to bring up Jebaited. Which I just did, so maybe you weren't chibated. Anyway, what a fantastic uh, just exploration of the world of the fighting game community. Uh, I mean, FGC has just been something I really wish I could have stayed in. I mean, I grew up like doing all this stuff, and I'll probably talk about this in the intro, but I record the outros first because it's fresh in my mind. Um, you know, it, it just was so fun to kind of see how alive and the the, the passion and the fire that exists. Um, In the community still, and everything that he's doing with CEO, and what everybody else is trying to do too. I mean, these games are just coming out, and what he was even talking about with Street Fighter Six—it just sounds so um, exciting. You know, there's a part of me that wishes that I could stay doing that. I think my, but it requires such dedication and training, and uh, that experience of being there in person and learning and seeing what other people are doing. You can do these things online. It's just it requires hours of training and dedication I just couldn't I can't do that at where I am in my life and I really enjoy just being a spectator and seeing these people compete at the craziest level um whether it's you know pre-recorded things that you can see them on YouTube if they're if they're streaming it or if you can see it in person I mean I'm wearing this is not a fighting game necessarily but you know I went to the Overwatch Grand Finals when I was living in New York Wow! Look at my hair. Whew, I look like a chocobo. Uh, you know, I went to the Overwatch Grand Finals, and I've got to be at some of these uh, big Smash tournaments. And seeing people in person—that feeling of electricity that you get—it's kind of like being at a concert. You know, there's a reason why people go to see bands live. And seeing some of these crazy things happen is um, an experience you you won't you won't forget. And um, yeah, he's just seems like one of the great people doing this. He is kind of like the one of us mentality, and he's doing it from that perspective. So I really hope he continues to grow and expand, and to see CEO. You know, you know, not that it's not the the same level of uh, PAX or Evo or these things, but I hope to see it surpass it. I hope to see it, um, you know, be if not surpassing at the same kind of prestige, which I, I think it already is, but you get what I'm saying here. Gosh, shut up, Paul. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Um, I really appreciate it. More fun guests to come. Make sure you're liking and subscribing and doing all those things. Check the playlist. If you haven't seen any of those old episodes, you can go through them there on YouTube. Um, and following on uh, Spotify really helps as well. Thank you, everyone. For- thank you. Thank you, everybody. All right, everybody. I need to go to bed. All right. Take care. Bye.